Welcome to GWC Podcast number 316, recorded March 24th, 2012. In this episode, we wrap up the meetup and take you back to meetup times where we watch John Carter with a bunch of meetup attendees live from a bar. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap bag. And with me, Audra Hester. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the Eye of Jupiter. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart. <laughs> Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you could introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody. What's up? What's happening, Peter? Uh, what's happening, Peter? <laughs> yeah, we're back in the, the room. I have my Weeble. We're good. Yeah. Uh, we. I was missing that last week. And uh, I'm still rendering. <laughs> Chuck, literally Chuck is rendering. He's like phasing in and out of reality. This was a, yeah. yeah. The, the first post meetup week is always fun. Rough. It's yeah. rough. All the people that you put off at work to get things done for the yeah, meetup. They want crap afterwards. Like now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still trying to catch up and get all the pile podcasts out. <laughs> yeah. You, you always say, oh, yeah, it'll be great. when we, We'll deal with that after we hit the frontier. We'll deal with that after we hit the frontier. And then Monday comes and you're like, crap. It's, it's the frontier. <laughs> it's like when you have at, at work, you know, you have this really good idea for an assignment for your students. You're like, okay. You know, I'm going to have each of them write, you know, three pages on this thing. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be really productive and educational and awesome. And then you're like, everyone turns in their three pages and you're like, I have 120 students. I have to read all these now. 360 <laughs> pages of stuff. Crap. What have I done? Yeah. Don't feel bad, man. I, you have five podcasts now. I have one. I was still late. Yeah, my last I'm a week out. late. This is bad. Uh, I'll get them out this weekend. I just got to like run. <laughs> yeah, Chuck came to me this morning very nervous and he's like, I'm late. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes on a different connotation. Though. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Shannon told me that once and we have a squeak. You know? <laughs> well, our relationship's always been kind of. Yeah, we kind of flipped. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I, I had a lot of fun though. I mean, seriously, it was a, yeah, it was a good time. It was and, a great time. I I I enjoyed meeting everybody for the first oh, time. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
uh, Durzo especially and, and Laser Jake Indeed. and, and all that kind of stuff who, who I've talked to a lot, you know, uh, Durzo and I actually have a lot in common, uh, both with kids and some stuff and, uh, some other things. I got to meet still, him as well. I'm still around. waiting yeah. for, for he, he, it was great. We were sitting at the, the party Friday night and he's like, look, I'm going to go get a drink and I'm going to come back. I'm going to tell you why Dune didn't suck. So, which, which one? The Sting oh, version. Okay. And I'm like, this is, I will clear time. This is something I need to hear. And of course he being cool and everything uh, had other people he was talking to and stuff like that. And we just never hooked right back, uh, you know, hook, hooked up again. And, uh, I, I think the flying V mankini, man- <laughs> <laughs> the light speed briefs he was wearing is essentially. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it goes down in the same kind of place as the metal bikini <laughs> And and the Zardo's nut slinger. It's like it, in the museum of of unfortunate costumes. <laughs> there is Sting's life speed briefs. Yeah, no light speed briefs. That's what they are. I've seen, I've seen in, in your, your dreams. dreams. You know. <laughs> I, I, so I was I was waiting for that. I'm like, there has got to be a story behind whatever he is going to tell me. And it's like one of those things that, like when Rusty was telling you know, and whatever you do, don't ever. Bing. What the phone yeah. rings? Yeah, the phone rings and it goes. So it's it's like your brain consistently. Tra- Let's figure it out. What could possibly save this movie? So it was kind of cool. Meaning Laser Jake was awesome. And of course, uh, a lot of people have talked to Laser Jake through through uh, uh, through Twitter and and all that kind of stuff. He is as cool a dude in person as he oh, is yeah. on Twitter and and through email and and quite like a, a good Lego judge, I hear. Excellent. As a matter of fact, I was really kind of worried about that whole event, and Laser Jake just like made it work out for for everybody and and uh, for me. I mean, I'm drunk with a bullhorn and you know all that kind of thing. So he he really got the clamps on and made sure it ran right. So <laughs> so it was really cool. Uh, but uh, see, yeah, just, if you came to Texas thinking you weren't going to get to see bullhorns, you were wrong. <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it really was. It was it was, a, it was a supremely cool time, and and I enjoyed meeting everybody. So it was. Uh, it, it, we're still recovering a little bit from uh, from the massive thing. Oh yeah. Speaking <laughs> of, let's do some news. And I can don't everybody shut up. I'm tired of rendering. I don't want to render anymore. News. <laughs> it's here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> One week away from it. And Galactic. Water cooler. News, updates, upcoming stuff in general, and anything else we care to talk about during this segment. You know, when you were talking about the uh, conversation about, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you why Dune didn't suck. I want to um, know why Dune I saw. I, I saw on Blaster had a couple updates this morning, and uh, one of them was that tiny little thing, but funny. In Ann Arbor, Michigan, I guess recently there was a house party that got out of control, and the cops what are the showed chances? up. And, and uh, it turned out to be a, a fight that started uh, when two guys were talking about like which uh, Dune was better. No, J.R.R. <laughs> Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, and like talking about like who had better ideas or who had better literature. Or something. That is awesome. And one guy like I want to go to that party. One guy like <laughs> hit the other guy in the side of the head with a bottle and and broke his glasses, and then he went to the hospital, and the cops came and everything, and it was this big like Tolkien Lewis 
It was like it, like throw down, you know. It was like the I'm making finger quotes the stabbing at at uh, yeah exactly <laughs> at, at Comic Con like that website when nerds attack and it shows the glasses with the pen going through the eye. <laughs> yeah. It's still funny. <laughs> I, I have to admit, <laughs> they're like, dude, one dude was wearing a Harry Potter shirt. That chick, she started her podcast like two days after that happened too, or not a podcast, but her website when nerds attack, and she has a Twitter stream and pretty cool like twice in in classes at school i've been sitting there and somebody's been like you don't like that stabbing at at, at, at comic-con and i'm like raising my hand I'm like i was about 30 feet from it when it happened stabbing maybe a little maybe extreme, a little extreme. <laughs> yeah a dude and another dude with a pin <laughs> You're like, you know, scraping maybe. You picture like Freddy Krueger with a combat, you know, with a K-bar or something. Yeah, no, not not so much. Uh, It's like, (laughs) because there was blood, they had to call the police. Everybody was sort of. I thought it was fun. I mean, maybe it's a little mean, but I thought it was funny that they had to take the guy out on a stretcher. You know, it he, was, he's it like, was. no, I'm fine, really. He was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is cool. Everyone's like, oh my God, they're taking him out on a stretcher. It. Damn it, we've had this stretcher here for 15 years and somebody's going to use this damn thing. Like, Get on a stretcher. We, we have been bored watching people go by for I don't know how long. Watching pleasant drunk people for the last how long? No, the funny thing is, though, I, I don't think that's the first time I've ever been like, you know, there's something that really got blown out of proportion and I happen to have seen it, you know, the yeah. real thing. Cause yeah. you never, you never see the actual thing. You always have to guess, you know, and we were just standing right there. And it's like the other example, I always bring that up is the only, one of the few times I, I've actually used the fine tweets around me. Right. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. Cause you wanted to see what everyone in hall H was saying. Cause I knew it. like 80% of the people in hall H had a smartphone and if, if any, you could connect, if anyway. you could connect. Yeah. And and if anybody, you know, I, I, so I switched to that. In class the other day, funny thing came up. They were all like, why wouldn't you meet your neighbors? And I'm like, okay, A, there are reasons not oh to meet God. your neighbors. Oh, my God. Have you tried meeting your neighbors? <laughs> no, and I'm like, okay, two things that you should never, ever do, ever. One, do not ever, when you are in your house, flip on fine tweets near me. And yeah, because it'll just like, make you want to move. Oh, yeah, four or five people are like, oh, yeah, oh, man, oh, it's bad. And one guy's like, yeah, you could do that with a layer, too. You know, uh, L-A-Y-A-R, the little uh, reality, you know, what is it? Uh, what do they call it? Uh, augmented reality browser, you know? It'll place tweets around you, so you can actually look through the camera on there and look around, and it'll it'll place them where they are around oh, you, right? God. And the guy's like holding his phone up. He's like, yeah, let's see, oh, two and a half miles. That- oh, my God. <laughs> And then he's like, turds. The other, <laughs> I think I need to go that way. Uh, but yeah, the other one is don't ever, 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 if your community has an online forum, I mean, your physical community that you live in, don't ever go to oh, it yeah. ever for any reason. I know. I went to go look something up one time about like how, you know, because there's like a local pool in the neighborhood. I'm like, <laughs> when bad. is that open? And I Googled and they're like, oh, we have a forum. And I'm like, Ooh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll go look and see. And I was like, I had to bleach my eyeballs out. <laughs> <laughs> Before, you could just imagine that all those people that are in those houses are just nice like you, you know. And, uh, They're like, me, me, I'm under no disillusion. That that <laughs> They're is. like, Hurricane Katrina, you know, was God sending, you know, to punish all the gays. And Trayvon shouldn't have worn that hoodie. He was asking for it. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I just don't need to know. No, 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 no. This is why I don't consult with normal people. <laughs> yeah. Norms, yeah. Yeah. I just. It, I'm telling you. Yeah. Hey, I, I have a big piece of news, right? We got to talk about it. Do you guys see the Blood and Chrome trailer? No. No, uh, I missed it. I missed it. Okay, so interesting thing. And a lot of people wonder whether this is something they leaked on purpose. Uh, 
I think what in the end what happened was there was a leak of the trailer that was shown at WonderCon. WonderCon is uh, is essentially it's you know it's part of the Comic Con series, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, it was like this last week, right? right? Exactly, right during the meetup, and uh, they showed a they showed what do they call them? They call them the Sizzler trailer, right? right? It's the one where it's all action all the time, you know, and everything. They showed the trailer at at WonderCon and. Uh, and it leaked out, of course, you know, and, oh, and the, shock. well, but the trick is, I think they sent takedown notices in hindsight. I think the reason they sent takedown notices, somebody identified it is that it's the music they used. They oh, used, yeah, they used music in it. That was, I can't remember. It's from, uh, it might've been from one of the twilight movies or something. It was like, they who just would have stuck. ever thought a tiny amount of water would fall on me. <laughs> yeah, they, they just stuck something on it for the trail. They, they don't care that you see the trail, the, the clips. They just, they just Music could, wasn't licensed. They have to. They have to do that, or they'll get screwed. You know. Um, apparently, Bear McCurry is doing the music because I saw him on his Facebook page mention that. Hey, yeah, this yeah. is really cool, and I I can't tell you, but man, there's good stuff in the in the music. You know. So he's either involved in it or he's got. To, I got to tell you, I watched the trailer and it looks badass. I mean, it looks like if you take like all the badass like action sequences that you remember from all of BSG because BSG wasn't really an action movie, you know, an action show series, yeah. series. But if you can remember the times there were action and you put all that together, all of them, like it was like that nonstop. And there were a bunch of new vehicles. If you're into this stuff and Sweet. I am, yeah, there were a bunch of new vehicles. There were, there was obviously there were there were some little things that if you look carefully you can pick out and uh, I gotta admit I will watch that show if it ever makes it. Is it a series or a movie? <clears throat> I don't know <laughs> yet to be determined. Well, yeah, here's what here's what I know, and I I'm not an expert, so I'll just say that up front. Um, but from what I understand, they had originally commissioned it as a pilot for a series. Then it was going to become a web a web series because they didn't want to push it all the way through. I guess it's too expensive or yeah. something. Um, and then it was headed back to TV. And then this trailer comes out. And I, I, I really haven't had a chance to look at the news that came out of WonderCon, but I'm guessing that whatever they told people at that panel is probably going to give an idea of what's really happening. It looks like the pilot is going to see some distribution of some kind. Now, whether it goes beyond that or not, I don't know. But, uh, you know, like and, and, and I'll say it because everybody likes to joke about this, but the, the text overlay at the end says it's a sci fi game changer. And I think, you know, in a way I could see that because if it was the kind of thing where they're saying sci fi is going to go is going to jump in on a big high budget, you know, high high content series, that would be a game changer for them. I think that would be a good use of the word. You know, I, I actually chafe at the, that word because people overuse it all the time. Everything that they think is interesting is a game changer. You know, for me, game changer for sci-fi would be we're going to refocus away from wrestling uh, and <laughs> and crazy monster meets versus Gator other Road versus you know, <laughs> yeah. snake thing. Yeah. Super snake. You know, yeah. don't cast Tiffany. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that kind yeah. of stuff and, and that stuff's okay but that's been their focus and I, I i get that that's why it would be a game changer yeah i'm not convinced they would do that for any reason i mean this is something they're not even promoting so i i i can't see it as that but i saw a video coming out of WonderCon, a little youtube clip the other day and it was michael fassbender and Charlize theron talking about prometheus i'd watch oh god which is pretty awesome we saw the trailer 
Have you seen the trailer? Like, let's find Mm -hmm. the two, you know, two of the best looking human beings alive and put them in this awesome sci-fi movie. Was that not like the most badass trailer? (gasps) It was significantly better than I thought it'd be. I I wasn't better than I expected. I was rather skeptical because of all the crap that you know you hear about it and everything, and I'm like. I don't have. It's time been on for again, this. off again you know, forever. I, I really don't. And then it you is, see the, it isn't. You yeah, know? it is. It isn't. This is what it is. This is what it. Oh, it's not that. You know, it's not a sequel. It's not a prequel. It's I, not. I a, just. I'm just. I don't care. You know. And, and then they showed it. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, okay. exactly. I was the same way. I was like, I got to see that. I understand now. <laughs> to be honest, Fassbender and uh, Theron looked a little bit drunk in that interview. <laughs> The the guy was like, so uh, tell me, you know what what's it going to be like? What's what's Prometheus about? And they're just like, yeah, it's uh, you know I can't really talk about it, but uh, it'll be cool. Yeah, go see it. Well, it probably takes a, a thimbleful to get Fassbender. Yeah. <laughs> after. After after what? He's not that small. He's pretty small. Uh, he ain't huge. Yeah, but he's not like. I bet that dude weighs like a 150, 160 pounds, soaking wet. I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm, no, I, I no, hear you can. Not uh, in that movie, anyway. <laughs> all different ways, if that's what you're into. Oh, uh, speaking of leaks, J.J. Um, <laughs> Abrams apparently got really upset that Crap. people were leaking photos from the Star Trek II set. So he ordered a whole bunch of shipping containers, those like huge ones, and he built like a barricade around the... Uh, Oh, that's the studio awesome. out in out in California. So now people are taking pictures of the barricade. <laughs> I would so if I lived out there, I would go out and do a podcast from the barricade. Yeah. Like, it looks like the end of iRobot. <laughs> <laughs> We're all the NS fives. It is four. There's JJ Abrams, like the little silhouetted figure standing on top of the sand dune. Like See, somebody action. Should, <laughs> somebody should do that as like a, a political cartoon style thing. That would yeah. be just badass, wouldn't it? I think that person should be me. I agree. I agree. <laughs> and like pencil sketch, you know, like <laughs> sunny style. Can you? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's from Sunny's crosshatch period. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But man, yeah, Prometheus, tell me it didn't do it for you when they got to the big alien with the gun. Yeah, I was. I was <laughs> you could say that about almost any no, sci-fi no, no. flick, and no, I would no. say yes. Yeah, there's a gun, though, but yeah. then there's the gun, the alien yeah, gun, the, the one alien that, with the shoots gun. alien and you know world-ending aliens out to other places. Gun. Yeah, and it was pretty cool. You're like, it was whoa! Pretty cool. I also looked at the um, the original shot, you know, the original quote-unquote shot of that, and the new one. And you know what? I'll be damned if they didn't do a damn good job of of changing it, but not. Yeah. And making, you know, still giving you that same, like, holy crap. What what is it? It, Because if you've never seen it before, and there are a lot of people who are going to see this who have never seen the originals, you know, and have no frame of reference for this, and it still has that quality. Yeah. Like, like the Trek remake. Oh, yeah. 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 Like when it, when it first started rolling the trailer and they didn't tell you what it was, when they first rolled up, a vehicle rolled by, and I saw the corporate logo. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Here it comes. Yeah, and then we're sitting in the theater, and suddenly the the movie screen dims down, and it's like, and we're like, I want my royalties. <laughs> That's my fantasy, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we actually saw it when when uh, as as later in this podcast, we we have uh, uh, we went and saw during the meetup. We went and saw John Carter. Have you seen it yet? I have not. You need to. There, there's a dog. You know. 
Uh, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> the guy, and I, I feel stupid. I can't remember his name, but the guy who plays John Carter is on the cover of, uh, I think it's Men's Health or something. Yeah, I, I was at the grocery that. store and I was like, yeah, because he is incredible. I mean, who, like, who is this guy? I mean, maybe other people know him <laughs> or have seen him in other stuff, but I'd never seen him before John Carter. And I'm like, okay. I was like, I should have been fantasizing about him long ago. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> No, it was it was funny. You know, we we went in and we'll talk about it uh, afterward. We all went out to a bar and we recorded a podcast there. We recorded a segment that we'll be playing later with some of the people from the meetup and everything. So it'll be a lot of fun. But nice. what Maybe it was, was GQ? <clears throat> what was funny? Um, who was on the cover? It wasn't him. It was somebody else this time. Of GQ? Uh, yeah. I don't remember. Oh, anyway, I, I'll have to check. He was on a cover of something. Anyway, he. Uh, uh, a lot of us, you know, we... we oh, uh, uh, Dave Franco uh, is on the we, current We chose the movie because it was sci-fi and it was on at the time we needed. Right. You know? And we felt like even if it was good, it was bad, we didn't care. We were just going to go watch a movie together and have fun, which is what happened. But I think a lot of us were really surprised. Like, we went in because the press has been pretty bad about, about John Carter. Well, and it's losing tons of money and... <laughs> And, and we'll continue to. I, I have to admit, I really love Chris Hardwick's take on the losing the money thing. It's so funny. It's like, he's like, what? It's like, it's your money, you know? <laughs> what yeah. do you care? So Disney lost a bunch of money. What does that have to do with whether you like the movie or not? Nothing, you know? Like, oh, that's such a piece of crap. It lost yeah. 200 million. You know, you're like, it's not my cash, you know? <laughs> You pay. We paid five bucks to see as we saw the matinee. <laughs> so we contributed to that loss probably by uh, seeing the cheapest ass possible showing of it. But I was not really. Great you could wait a couple up. months. Go see it at the Dollar Theater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we uh, we went and saw it, and and it was funny because we went in expecting nothing. Yeah. And uh, just maybe it's bad, maybe it's good. Who cares? We're For the fun. record, John Carter is a really cool story. Yeah, and uh, and and this one is, I understand, based largely on the Princess of Mars, the first one. Yeah. If I had known that the story was a hundred years old, I would have gone into the movie differently. So I told you that way back when we were talking about Carter. <laughs> Well, obviously, I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be the first time. No, I just time I for forgot. I forgot. But yeah, no, we went in and uh, and and the first few minutes, of course, were kind of like that. And, and we'll talk about this in detail. But the important thing is, there's this dog-like creature. Except, oh, you would love it, Sean. Except, as soon as I saw the dog, I was like, oh yeah, Sean's it's big see. and it's kind of funky looking, and it can run like 200 miles an it's hour, shaped like a ball. Yeah, and. Uh, has a big but purple tongue. Most important, the scenes that totally would do it for you, like when he first meets the dog, when John Carter meets the dog, and I don't think the dog was in the books. I don't remember that. This is added. This is like, I, I yeah, I'll, well, I won't say it because we talk about it in the other one, but there is like the first scene you think it's going to be bad and then it just sort of like rolls in and pops down and goes to sleep and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, so he's all right. And then the dog tags along with them, and you're like, oh, okay. And then there's the scene where the dog rescues him. You're like, okay. Like, he's in a bad place, and the dog comes barreling in and takes care of business. <laughs> and then there's the scene where um, <clears throat> that I actually thought was one of the best in the movie, where uh, he's they're about to be attacked and overrun, and he's, he sends... Uh, you know, he he sends everyone else off and turns to face it on his own, and he has these flashbacks to his like his wife and daughter being, you know, having issues. Right. Anyway, Sean's like, we'll talk about this in detail Sean later. But <laughs> Sean's read the books too. It's not like you're going to spoil him on what happens in the story, right? I know more than you do. <clears throat> yeah. 
<laughs> not about, about this movie. About no, <laughs> I'll so just leave it alone. <laughs> not about this movie, but we need you no more. <laughs> but about the John Carter story. Yeah, I know, that's why I, I wasn't worried. Yeah. And we're gonna, and it's later in here. So, but no, I mean, he's flashing back to it, and he has. But when he goes to fight, he's like, he looks over, and the dog is standing there with him. You know, and and he's like, you got to go, and the dog's like, you know, like, <laughs> like, yeah, we're gonna fight together, and you're just like. I, you know, and I say this later, but it's like Disney did, everybody's going to hate this, but they did Jar Jar right. Like you, you go to add a character that's, that should be fun for kids and, yeah, and this is how you do it. And add the, like a connection for the younger crowd to be able to have an in. Yeah. It didn't mess with the story. That no, was great. I enjoyed it. I think kids would love it. I'm like, everybody loved it. Yeah, This is how you do that. You Disney know? has a history of doing that too. I mean, to, to, uh, you know, Pixar does it. Disney does it. Yeah. Um, they they have the uh, a really fantastic ability to add a heartwarming and loyal character that has a part in the story, but may not be overly important. But you connect with them. They they have a history of doing that. I think that's awesome. Like I totally uh, I I know they didn't do it, and that's probably good. I guess, but I would have loved to see an appearance of Bit in. Uh, you know, besides, besides on the, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean that kind of thing done right. There's, it doesn't hurt at all. And it adds for kids and it adds for some adults. Like I loved, I, that you know, was for an, kids. That was an awesome. And you will love the movie solely because of, of the dog character. I don't doubt that. That would I'd, be enough. I knew I was going to like it anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I've had more than one person tell me there was a dogish type. It's like, uh, oh, you got to see it. I'm yeah. Sorry. No, I'm it's sorry, like the no. reverse. It's like the reverse. Uh, there were rats, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like there was a dog, dude. Yeah. You, you gotta. Yeah, exactly. And that, and, <laughs> Is that a chicken? And a, <laughs> nice. Uh, no, I mean, and there's, there's a reverse of that too. Like when, um, Caprica, yep. you know, they were, with they you. were messing with the dog. I'm like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. You know, I know. After that, I just never went back after that really. And so, yeah, I, that that's kind of how it is. I, I have things like that too. Uh, Damn for Mayor, I tried to watch, and they uh, they had a like, and it was humorous, and I'd have been okay with it. I think they they like uh, this cat ran over this cat, and it, it like pro- a cat it showed it running out into traffic, and then like a bus hit it, and they just they didn't show it, you know. And it would have been, I probably would have just walked away from it, except that the character that was involved act like acted like it wasn't a big deal that he had like borrowed this lady's cat, and then it got killed. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. Well, you that's know? one yeah. of the reasons you haven't seen Boondock Saints, because they shoot a cat. And I won't watch it for that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying other people shouldn't, but I just, yeah. you know, I won't do I know it's not real. You know, yeah, I, I exactly. get that, you know. I, I was uh, talking the other night, we were joking about uh, Betty White and her appearance on SNL a while back and rewatching that. And uh, I just bought her latest uh, memoir or whatever, like, If You Ask Me and I Know You Won't or something like that. And uh, <laughs> But she's a huge animal oh, lover. has and, been for years. Yeah, she, she years does. Years and years. Awesome. She does all these things to advocate yeah. for animal rights and, and including farm animals and wild animals and everything. And I guess she had been offered the role of uh, Helen Hunt's character's mother in As Good As It Gets back in like 98 or whatever, 97. And she didn't take the role because she thought that they didn't treat the dog right in the movie. She awesome didn't appreciate that. And she's like, okay, I'm not going to do it. Makes me I like know. her even more. I was like, yeah, she has so much integrity. I love that. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She really is. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see John Carter. I just haven't I haven't got it yet. So. No, no, no. That's cool. You'll get a big kick out of it. And it'll. I'm sure it'll be available inexpensively soon, Hell yeah. which is good. The other preview that 
uh, totally kind of lit me up was the Men in Black 3 uh, trailer. Oh, yeah. I've seen Josh a couple. Brolin, man. Oh, God, yeah. First he can of, channel a Texan. No kidding. <laughs> so I, I've seen a couple of, of bits from that that kind of were sort of weird, you know? And didn't I just got this feeling? You're sort of like oh, I don't know. You know, it's not. It, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't exciting. You're gonna see it because come on, it's been in Black Three. You're gonna check it out. But after this trailer, I was like, oh, I gotta see that. It looks like it's like getting now. back to kind of the the feeling of the first one. Yeah, it felt like the first one. Really, it, it really did. It was like, I mean, see, yeah, I haven't seen the trailer, and I am not excited about that one at all. See, and that's it. I wasn't either. And yeah. I, when the trailer came up, I was like, hey, you know, I had that kind of... <laughs> well, because, too, they kind of nerfed... They jar-jarred, too, in a lot of ways. Yeah. They, they took the little cigarette-smoking aliens and made them into little jar-jars, you know? And you imagine that the third one was going to be like the cash-in extension of that. And then it starts up, and the first thing you see is like a number of awesome standard, like, you know, in the first one, you had this beautiful, like, straight man, funny man relationship between uh, between the two main characters, you yeah. know? And and there were some of those right out of the bat, right out of the gate, you know, right off the bat. You saw these moments and you're like, huh. even though you're trying not to, you're, you're prepared to not really like it because the other stuff has been kind of crappy. You're like, huh. Well, uh, then, Jay, Jay goes back to, I think it's what, 1969 or yeah, whatever, and he yeah. meets k you know and back then and it's josh brolin and it's josh brolin as tommy lee jones nice. in the 60s and it could be it looks like i bet if you went yeah his, the way he like furls his brow in his voice it sounds exactly like tommy lee jones oh god it's, it's incredible like- <laughs> it, it i was like did they dub his voice holy crap well and the reason that men in black originally worked was was tommy lee jones portrayal and his his unflappable nature you know, and he's the ultimate straight man. In that movie. Yeah, he it was the, the ultimate straight comic. man. And in two, they got a lot away from that. Well, they, it, yeah, he was yeah, like, I if I remember in two, they just turned him into this weenie, and it there was none of that cool chemistry. No, and uh, I mean, in in good comedy teams, like uh, you know, two person comedy teams, especially back in the day, uh, the straight man got paid ten times more. It's harder, I would imagine. Yeah, in a lot well, of it's. Uh, you know, it, it's just different and a lot of people are good at wacky and funny and outrageous and all that kind of stuff. It is very difficult to be a straight man and really hold it. Yeah. You know, it's difficult. So that's the reason one worked in my personal opinion. I mean, and, and of course you have people like Vincent D'Onofrio, you know, in his Edgar suit who, I mean, you don't really realize how good he played yeah, that until Francis you realize. McDormand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of, of really great stuff going on in one and i i think it lost a lot of that heart in two so for what it's worth uh, sorry chuck i I was going to say for what it's worth in improv the the kind of consensus is that straight is harder to play than absurd because absurd pretty much whatever you do is going to be accepted but straight you have to act as kind of an avatar for the audience because timing is a lot more important as a straight man too and uh, absurd cannot be absurd until the straight person sets a kind of a, a norm a standard to which absurd kind of, you know, bounces off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if you get a person who comes out and they're acting wacky and then the other people act wacky too, they're not absurd. They're all normal in their own way. 
like in a different reality. They're setting the standard. Right. So the straight person sets the standard of, okay, this is what's normal. And they make the absurd person absurd. And the reality is that they're both working as a team to like put something here using these two like standards and these two. And the other reason it's hard is that audiences don't usually give as much, um, overt kind of appreciation to the straight characters because the absurd characters are much more uh, charismatic and memorable and they tend to kind of lead the show in terms of big gestures and memorable lines and things like that but both are equally necessary and maybe the straight person is even slightly more necessary in some ways laurel and hardy almost wrote the book on that i mean you can you can really see a lot of that stuff happen with with those two especially although you know, <laughs> the funny guy kind kind of got a bad deal on that one. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm when it came when this trailer started, though, like we, you, you know, you saw things looking. I, I was kind of chuckling beforehand. And then when he makes the the jump backwards in the in the trailer. Right. And they jump into what's obviously the new part. Right. Um, first of all, you run into Brolin playing the young Tommy Lee Jones, you know, the young K. And he's actually, they tell you... He's in the, even more deadpan. Yeah, they tell you in the trailer that, that essentially Kay is is somehow just disappeared from existence because of something that somebody did in time traveling in the past. So he has to go back using this crazy thing. And he goes back and the people are just completely crazy and everything. He is, in a lot of ways, like he is now, he's not the Kay, but he's he is. A, oh, like Will Smith is the alien now. And that's yeah, Will Smith is like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like everything that he considers normal is like out the window now because these people are just crazy compared to what he's used to. Mm-hmm. And and yet he's with the young K who is like Brolin overplays it even, you know, so he's like just like stone all the time. You oh, know? it's great. There's a scene in the car where <laughs> he looks at uh K, the young K, and he's like, How old are you? And he's like, twenty nine. He's like, Man, you got some street miles on you. <laughs> <laughs> are, it's like it's it's just classic. I by the time it was over, I was laughing hard. And I'm like, I want to go see that. Bad. You know, I have to throw in something I realized. Um, the first time I remember ever understanding th- what the role of this straight person is in a scene was Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black. I was 18 and I was watching Men in Black with some friends, you know, on video like a year after it came out. And we were hanging around at a friend's place. And that was when I was like first really realizing I was this huge fan of Tommy Lee Jones. And, you know, it's like earlier in your life, earlier in your life, you understand that there are overtly comic people and then there are like kind of straight acting people. But the first time I really understood it and appreciated it for what it was, we were watching this together and it was a scene where uh, Will Smith's character is getting interrogated by the other cops like, oh, and then he flapped the other eyelids. Ha ha, you know, and he leaves and then Kay comes in and he's like, what did he say to you? And He's like, he, he, say said, when? he said the world's going to end, you know, and then he unplugs, uh, K unplugs the video camera. Yeah, he's exactly. like, and then he looks straight at him. Did he say when? Completely serious. And the camera <laughs> stays on him for like five seconds before it cuts back. And at that moment, it dawned on me for the first time what the role of the straight man was. And and I am so appreciative of that scene because it was like, it was like a, a moment for me. It was like, I had this like comedic awareness and I was like, yes, (laughs) you know, story I should tell. I don't think I've told on the podcast before. Funny. uh, I, it must've been like, I don't know, 2001, maybe it was 2000. 
uh, Audra and I were, uh, we were living in this little apartment and we decided to, that our big Christmas present was, we'd take all the money we were going to spend on like each other's presents and we would buy a DVD player, you know? And we went down to. Yeah, the, it was Christmas 2000. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And I, we still have the DVD player. And yeah. But and it still works, which it was a good purchase. It was a Sony. It was like, it was like the inexpensive one, but it was like, but like real high quality, right. you know, and didn't have a lot of features, but it was, it was rock solid. It's the half carat <laughs> diamond of DVD players. It was well said. And, and so we're at, at the buy more and we're like looking at them. We're like, man, that's a lot of money. Cause I don't know. It was like 200 bucks, you know, back then I'm like, man, that's a lot of money. That's pretty much all we were going to spend for everything. And we kind of decided together that we would, we would buy we would it, get because, it for each other. Yeah. yeah. Cause we liked watching movies together and we thought it would be little did we know we'd be here you know now doing this podcast and everything about it and sharing it with all these friends and everything but we're like uh we're standing there the the younger us's are standing there and we're like okay well let's do it it'll be worth it you know and then we realized we're about to check out and we're like wait a minute we we, don't have any dvds yeah we didn't own any yeah well why would you you know and so we we went back to pick out our first dvd and dvds were more expensive than number one most of them were like 30 bucks or yeah 18 20 you know and like sell through VHS was when they first came right. out. And and we were looking around and there was this, uh, I'm like, you know, I was trying to be like nice and everything. I'm like, why don't you pick it out? You know? So Audrey goes and she picks out Men in Black. And it was they, like the special edition. They had a special edition version that came in a paper box instead of a plastic one. And it had like shiny you know, mm-hmm. it had metallic print on the front. Oh, you remember sure. it got, it was one of the ones that had a, a signed well, poster. And we in were it. like, we were like reading. Cause I mean, man, we really did not have money to buy this DVD. You know, we just went on the play. Are we going to get for our extra $5? We were know? like, put it on the credit card kind of thing. And, and, uh, we looked, we were debating cause the, the special edition men in black that she picked out was like about 10 bucks more than the other ones. And, and it was kind of like, man, you know, this is a lot. Maybe we should get something else. And, and we looked on the back of it, and it's like one out of every 10 or something has a, a an autographed poster in it, you know? And we were like, huh, okay, well. And we, we agonized over it. Longer than choosing the DVD player, You start weighing all the... <laughs> <laughs> we did. We kind of like, I don't know. I wonder if it would... And then Is finally, this one heavier than this box? Does it have a poster in it? Does it have paper in it? I don't know. I can't tell. <laughs> Is it an ounce heavier? And then we, we decided to go ahead and do it. And we went up, and we checked out and everything, and we got home, we opened it. It did have the poster in it. Which was really cool. So actually, Men in Black was the first DVD we ever owned. Wow. And Mine was The Matrix. I could see that. Sweet. Yeah. Matrix wasn't out then, or we probably would have. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yes, I guess it, yeah, was, it was, but just barely. But the funny thing is, we uh, when you know we built these shelves for the for the living room, and we put some DVDs on the top row of it, way up. That's like 12, oh, did you right. did you open it up and see the, is the poster still in there? I did not, but I will. Um, but I bet it, it is. But I, I picked out some that, I mean, you know, we don't need them all the time anymore. So we picked out some to put on the top that would get them out of the way and it would sure. look pretty. So we put out like all the all the Trek series and stuff up there. But at the very end, there are a couple of movies that we thought were kind of cool and special. And one of them is that Men in Black DVD, which we still have. Nice. 12 years. Cool. 12 years. <laughs> 12 years. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. It's a good movie too. Hell yeah. You know. Uh, Men in Black was, was really cool. I was not a fan of two, but. I wasn't either. I, like I said, I, I feel like it, 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 it energized me to go see it because I felt pretty much exactly like you're describing. Uh, you know, I probably would have seen it just because you'd have to. But 
Uh, it wouldn't have been right away. I wouldn't have rushed to do it. I would have caught it when it was cheap or something, you know. And now I'm like, I want to see that movie because that trailer was badass, you nice. know. <laughs> same with Prometheus. Same. I don't know what else they showed. I'm trying to think if there was anything else on John Carter because it was like rolling through them. They were they were pretty funny, but uh, yeah, Blood and Chrome. I'm I'm more excited after seeing the. I actually caught myself kind of being like. I was that was cool. <laughs> I would watch that. I will damn sure watch it if if they show the pilot on TV or make it available in a way that's not stupid. I I will totally watch that. And uh, I don't think I'm back to a BSG place. Quite yet. <laughs> I, I I have trouble with it. I know that's bad, you know, and it's it's where all these cool people came from and everything like that. I just can't get there from here yet. I I don't know after the dog scene and in Caprica, and I know it got awesome. And, and, and everything i just i i can't get there from here Caprica yet. was never on the same level i mean it wasn't bad i watched all of it and yeah. and it was kind of in yeah. my own time afterward really because you know? yeah. i there were still some at the end that i haven't seen yeah and and uh i i think the thing for me with caprica was like i i enjoyed the intrigue but what what bsg got so right was that balance of action and personal stories and and intrigue political intrigue and other stuff there wasn't it didn't focus on one they all kind of yeah. mixed together just right you know yeah. it baked the cake instead of it flattening out see and, the last season for me was a little rough of, of bsg it was it I was mean, a, yeah, were it me yeah as an artistic decision i'd have left them on the nuked out planet and said deal but that's a course and i said that then too and looking yeah, I back i mean yeah. we were you know, it still had more to offer. And even, you know, after Caprica and everything, I, you know, I did want to know that story. I just didn't want to know it in the way they told it. Part of the hard, guess. hard part for me is that knowing, like with Caprica, knowing that that they ended it the way they did because... Not, go ahead. No, I'm no, sorry. Okay. I, I was just imagining Cavill, like, poisoning that little kid and him passing out. And I'm sorry. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's funny. I, that's why I stopped because I wanted. To oh, hear, I'm sorry. I wanted to hear what you were. Obviously, you had one of those like moments, and you want to share it. I, 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 th- I it's the final season. Give Timmy an apple. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I honestly think that that both shows, uh, BSG and um, and Caprica, sort of, well. They both suffered from the way they ended, and I think all shows do now to some extent because there was that time where you just expected shows to end abruptly, and that was the way they were. They would just stop making them. Sure. And then it became, you know, sort of like it, it's in vogue, and I'm not saying any of this is good or bad. It's just sort of the way it is. It, it became There's in vogue the, to try to wrap the story or to do the, something. The crafted abrupt ending. Right. Yeah. Both the, yeah. Both the crafted ending, like with BSG, where they had a, quite a while to plan it, you know, and the whole last season was knowing full well where yeah. they were. Yeah. And then you have things like Eureka Will Be, where, and like Caprica was, where it ended pretty abruptly and they, just enough that they could kind of curve into it, you know? And, uh, and those are, I think, in a lot of ways, the hardest. And and Caprica suffered from that because it was really just getting rolling into the big intrigue. I I did not enjoy Caprica as much as BSG. I think a lot of people did. That's not saying much. That's like saying it's it so wasn't difficult. awesome. You know, well, yeah. it's difficult because you know when you take pleasure in the entertainment, there are different ways. I mean, you know, we can enjoy tragedy and we can enjoy comedy and stuff, but there are some things that you enjoy, but you don't really want to watch it again. And then I, there are some things that you appreciate, but you don't really enjoy, you know? You know, this dovetails 
pretty nicely into uh, my next news item, and, and bear with me here because I'm going somewhere. Um, the uh, walk with you, yeah. Uh, recently, and I'm sure everybody's heard about this now, who is even remotely connected with this. Uh, Mass Effect Three came out, and there has been some debate, <laughs> some controversy over, over the, the ending, ending <laughs> which I have I have not gotten to. I this is entirely spoiler free. You don't have to turn this. Yeah, off. we're not going to spoil. It, but guess what? Things end badly. Things end badly. Did you see, did you see Step Two's what tweet about chances? that the other day? He's like. <laughs> Honestly, at the end of Mass Effect 3, I was more upset that my model ships got thrown around the bedroom or whatever. And thrown around the captain's. Yeah, I'm <laughs> collecting those for two freaking yeah. games. Holy crap. Two freaking games. Awesome. You, know, you get a whole other wall of these things now, and you're like, He's crap. like, why did they have to do that? <laughs> I heard about that, and that is, is as well as I was pissed about that. I'm like, you are kidding me. I have spent the whole I have spent okay. the whole of two games okay, getting wait, these damn wait, ships wait, in order. Let me get this straight. Now I haven't played the game, but let me get this straight. I haven't either, so at the end of at the end of one, the Normandy gets destroyed. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, presumably it does. with all your crap. Along yeah, all with your it. crap is gone. Okay. But they like break the models on the wall <laughs> in, in three and everybody's like oh. <laughs> You broke your little Look. ships. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You're just upset. Oh, that was awesome. You know, it's like super nice, and and you're like, you've spent this, and I, I just, I have just clicked the last wow. one into place, and I know the end run is coming, and I heard somebody say, yeah, I hope you don't collect all those ships, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, it sounded yeah. like a Fred Flintstone curse. Yeah, I just. It Somebody was, should go back and put in beeps over but, all those. But, yeah. <laughs> somebody, I uh, yeah, I, somebody, uh, somebody who's not behind on casting, you know, or oh, rendering, <laughs> who has plenty of editing time. Wah, wah. Uh, no, but it, there there is some controversy over the ending, and of course there was a, a large outcry. Uh, some people were actually so upset that they they started uh, um, a a I guess little fun campaign and a campaign and a you know take back mass effect charles dickens man i'm telling you i'm telling you it is <laughs> well it's true and of course uh and as penny arcade put it you know uh the bioware's first uh uh response to this is our ending is chocolate platinum gold and we are not going to change anything it's our t- it's our artistic <laughs> it's vision chocolate. and it is and it's the best ever and y'all can suck it and there became, of course, it just kept snowballing as more people finished the game, and people were like, "What the frack, man? What this? This is the ending you, you planned for you, this? You thought it was going to end well, you know?" And they, uh, Bioware has has recently released a, a newer statement, I guess, a couple of days ago, saying, "Okay, yeah, that maybe have been for sixty five dollars. Well, I well, just you know what? It's probably going to be like that. It's probably going to be another fifteen dollar download, you know, ending pack where you can go and and redo your ending. Now that seems to be they say that they're they're working on it now, feverishly, and uh, they put on hold some of the other things that they were going to do for as far as DLC for Mass Effect. And you, you know what now, would be awesome? You you will now have I, a happier ending. I got to tell you, you know what would be really awesome is if they made an ending that was just like stupidly happy, like <laughs> like like you get to a point where every everything- single character from every game is like dancing in a field of daisies and <laughs> yeah. Penny Arcade did they're like aren't you so glad that everything worked out and you're a super awesome they're hero like, they're like grilling hot dogs and people are like on pogo sticks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Penny Arcade said oh the new Mass Effect ending's here <laughs> congratulations Supreme Emperor Shepard you've turned all the Reapers into ice cream cones 
ones with bananas on them. And that would be great. You know, and they should do that. Hey, Krogan are here. They baked you a cake. And, you know, a giant I mean, jelly bean. All the colors of the rainbow. Exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> that would be awesome. I, I would love to see that. I And, you know, I'm I'm for realistic, depressing endings anyway, you know, where it's just like they force you to think. and it, So I'm awaiting the ending. I'm not there yet. Everybody tells me it's horrible. I have a, a dissertation from several people going, all right, look, I'm not bitching, but here's here's kind of how I felt about it and everything. Without giving me spoilers, it's been great. But it is all, so... Everyone on the council from Mass Effect 1 and all the people at the Citadel and the Reapers and the Hanar and everybody, the Elcor, the Volus, they're all holding hands. And, and a Reaper Yubna moment. Yeah. <laughs> That would be it. Exactly. Right Reaper there. skulls and Ewoks playing yeah. the skulls. And yeah. I mean, playing the skulls. I mean, it's... <laughs> I'm wondering what the hell they're going to do. I do, however... The husk chorus. You know, I... Yeah. <laughs> like in Some little strings like the dancing bones and all that kind of stuff from, from Dancing still on the spike. Oh, yeah. I mean... It, and now, this one... We'd like to introduce <laughs> the husk chorus. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. You knew from the first Mass Effect, or at Excited least you should have known, reply. that this is not going to be. It's sort of like the Matrix. Okay, yeah. if you've been paying attention, this is not going to end yes. happy. Yes, and I'm one of the few people that like the ending of the Matrix. Like, let me rephrase that. And I feel like it, it ended the way it it, it would have it was ended. Meant to end. yeah. and, and it was a good story and it deserved the ending that it should have had that, that would really happen instead of a look, everything's great, go home ending. Yeah. So they all I, go to a big strip club at <laughs> a flux, you know, at the end and a flux is blown up. No, it's purgatory now. <laughs> there's a there's a volus stripping and Yeah, there's a volus stripping. That's awesome right there. That's a Tali's like leaning forward and sitting back in the volus. Man, I, there's this great moment in, in Mass Effect 3, and this is not spoiling or anything because she doesn't ever do this, but where Tali takes her mask off like for the camera and it never pans around so you could see her face. <laughs> and I'm like, I respect that so much, you know, that they never caved. They never, not once caved so you could see her face. Nice. I'm like, respect as solid you know yeah you just don't it's it's not supposed to be that way there is stuff in mass effect and i think the ending is is one of those things and i haven't seen it yet so i can't say this for sure but i think the ending is one of those things that you knew it was going to be a certain way or at least they have been telling you the whole time without telling you that it's going to be a certain way and i think a lot of people weren't ready for that they were looking for the classic game ending and that's not what you got we should come up with the top end alternate mass effect ending <laughs> yeah i mean we in, find a, out in grunt, a couple months when we yeah we find out <laughs> grunt has a foot fetish and he ends up with uh tolly well and they did a great job thus far uh, like i said I'm, I'm on the precipice uh of the the ending run sort of like vermeyer like once you go here you know uh, you know it's you know you're your PJ. yeah it's the end run <laughs> i've gotten all the missions out of the way the bars at full you're you know you're having the moment Time I'm, to do it. I'm right there. In fact, I shut it off this morning without getting into it. I'm like, you know nice. what? I still have 45 minutes before I have to go to the cast. I want to be here for this. I want to be here for this. You know, so I stopped. And you know what? They did a great job of bringing back every character you've ever met and giving you all kinds of resolution to what nice. everybody's doing and how everybody turned out and what you thought. And you That could, skeevy Solarian who's trying to, like, cheat the games. and You do. Uh, you get to meet almost everybody even conrad verner 
comes back now, and you, you get say, to resolve his stuff. Wow. Uh, didn't you say there's an alt, uh, a thing that you found out about um, that Chuck would like? You remember you were talking about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, we can't talk about that. That's too oh, big a spoiler. Oh, okay. That, is, right. that is kind of a, I told Chuck because Chuck I'm was sorry. like, if there's no. anything yeah, else I want to know. That actually like, made me want to like, go play the game this moment. Yeah. I'm like, for that opportunity. So it's like, if you happen across this opportunity, please let me know. And I did. And I, yeah. So, no, no. I mean, yeah. We'll, and that was all that was in it. It was an email that said, you can do this thing that I really want to do. Yes. That was it. And I was like. <laughs> it was great Chuck scream yeah, yeah I want I've wanted to do this thing for a long time yes, so and you can do that thing and I will that thing that, that thing, thing yeah that thing, that uh, thing. so you, you can Subject, act quick that you know. thing yeah and I almost did I almost said that thing <laughs> you know but uh, that Mass Effect Signed, thing hippo so I mean yeah but uh, Bioware is coming out with a an alternate ending uh, to the alternate endings in which you get a race car. Yeah. I, I don't Shepherd, know. They haven't mentioned anything. One in which Shepard ends up with Ramona and one in which Shepard does not end you up. You know what? With. I, I, to their credit, they are listening to their fans and they have always said that we listen and we try and give you what you want, even though what I think the fans want is not something that, that Bioware wanted to do for this story. You know, they're going to give it to you anyway. I'm and actually, you know what? if you bitch about how much they're, whatever they're going to charge for it is, Plus. Piss on you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I am in a really cool class called Digital Textuality right now, which is all about what makes different forms of digital uh, of digital text. Text can mean any work, can mean video, pictures, sure. you know, sound. <laughs> I'm a very textual person. Yeah. Well, and it's about the, the, the specific, you know, the new affordances that come from digital versus analog in these different environments. And, and of course... You know, it's kind of interesting how they stack in a lot of ways. You know, right. you have you have uh, images which can include text, right? And you have video which includes both images and sound and text. You know, and can Except include when your, those. Uh, subtitles are turned off. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> we we were so yeah. That's a long story. I'll tell you. But uh, um, don't accidentally turn them off when you're watching X Men for X Men First Class. Or it can unless you speak German, Russian, and Spanish, it can be difficult. Um, and French. Oh yeah, and French. But the uh, I, I was going to say, video games incorporate all of those. Yeah. As well as a special kind of interactivity, and yet we're still tell, telling narrative stories. Some really great narrative stories, like Mass Effect, I think, is a prime example of in that format. And this is really kind of new ground. This is really interesting, you know. Uh, much like Audra mentioned that uh, that. Uh, um, Oh, my brain doesn't want to work. Well, what? Um, oh, what was it? The 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 famous story was written in 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 series and then published. Great expectations. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Great expect. I feel stupid. Great expectations was written originally and published in in Stella! bits. <laughs> nice. It was, it, it was published in little bits and and then was wrapped up into into the the novel that people read now. But in reality, there were a couple of endings. Like there was an ending. People complained. They had another ending, and so on. Right. Uh, this is really kind of an opportunity with DLC to to change the ga- the game and the story fundamentally, and yet to leave it that way for us. So it's almost like if you didn't like the way they destroyed Vulcan in the new Star Trek you could have a world in which they don't. Right. You know, I could, I could see people making the argument when it comes to something like film that, you know, the director's choice and everything should be the choice that stands. I, could, I, I don't know if I agree with it, but I could see people making that argument. But when it comes to a game like Mass Effect, which is 
one of the ultimate games of all time of being able to let you have control over the story. It seems to make sense that they yeah. would let you have this. The much question control becomes well. is, is, is it just one thing or is it something different to each person? And why not make use of that? You know, does it lessen it? I don't think so. Incidentally, to have Sean's mass effect be different than my mass effect. Right. Yeah. I think that's cool. I think that's just an affordance that we're not used to yet, you know, and we're still kind of getting our brain around, you know, yeah. the fact that, there's there's a lot to this whole thing, and, and I know some of the things that they did at the end of, of Mass Effect 3, that they, they boiled it down to uh, a choice, and, and A, people weren't happy with everything boiling down, no matter what you did, to a choice, and then the other thing is they weren't happy with any of the endings that, that came from that choice. So there was a lot of things that, that happened with this, and to Bioware's credit, and as much as people were crapping on them and everything like that, they are giving you yet another Choice. option. Yeah. yeah. And they have always done that. You know, so I really can't can't bitch too hard, especially since I haven't seen the the intended, you know, quote unquote intended ending yet. Uh, but man, just from the stuff I've seen so far, there's been a lot of stuff or a lot of crafting going into this. So I, I'm excited to see how it ends. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are upset. Uh, a lot of people just have no you know are, are like why would they do this to us uh it's been almost unanimous from from the people i know gwcers <laughs> who have talked to me about the game they're like have you finished I'm like no all right look i'm not gonna spoil anything for you but call me after you do because <laughs> what the frack you know you have this list of people who you yeah know. i mean they, i do and and i'm like wow everybody i know who who i respect who has played the game through is upset about this ending this might be something I'm upset about too. Hell yeah. I am happy in that it's taken me a little while to get there. So I have less of a weight if I need to fix it, but I am also happy that Bioware is addressing it already. You know, so I, I don't know. It, it seems positive on all outlooks, except for the, the craptasticness that is apparently the ending of this. <laughs> I, I will. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'll I'll say reserve it again. Judgment. I think honestly, if you, you know, I don't expect, I never have expected mass effect three to end. Well, um, in terms of, it's got to be bad. I get that. <laughs> one, so, of my, one of my students who knows I'm a fan, I'm sorry. One of my students who knows I'm a fan came up the other day. She's like, guess what I got over spring break? I was like, what? And she's like, Mass Effect. And I was like, really? You got Mass Effect 3? She's like, no, two, because I haven't played it yet. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> Good call. Good call. <laughs> it was just funny. Was like this big buildup. Guess what I got? Well, yeah. guys, what do you think about uh, uh, letting some... About running this segment we've got sitting here. Sounds awesome. Oh, cool. yeah. One more thing. I have to do a tremendous shout out to uh, Awesome Engineering Girl who introduced nice. me to Nerf guns. Um, actually, check that. Introduced my household to uh, the new modern Nerf guns. Um, I have uh, gotten a Maverick Rev 6 and already done the mods that she suggested and am in the process of refinishing it as we speak. So thank you. Uh, also, my wife has got one as well, and she is a better shot than I am, which is annoying. Uh, so really cool. If you are <laughs> if you were into that, talk to her about it. It's cool. Well, we are cutting out to uh, take any back in time a week to Sunday of the meetup when, when a group of us oh, saw... Time it, travel. Right. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Do that again. Delicious. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're here back again, still, thankfully, at the 2012 International Meetup. 
And uh, we, we just grabbed some space in a little bar out here uh, after seeing John Carter, which I got a kick out of. Yeah, I, I, I was... Um I, I, when I was going into it, I wasn't uh, I wasn't too really too sure what to think about. Oh yeah, uh, you know it, it had been getting a lot of bad press, and uh, you know I had only really seen the third trailer, which was which was pretty interesting. But um, you know, it, 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 I, I think first of all, I think it had a lot more humor in it than I really expected. You know, even from the start when you had. Um, like uh, John Carter getting thrown into the into the sheriff's office, and then and then having to be in irons, yeah, through the window again, yeah, like over and over. I would imagine to a certain degree, and they did the same thing with the Tron reboot as well. They wanted to make sure that you know, with all the action and all the intensity they wanted to put into it, they still this is a Disney production. They want to keep it somewhat more universally approachable, so they're going to throw more of the icebreakers and the you know, you know, it was funny. I, when I left, I thought, you know, that's how you do that, too. Because, like, you you know, you get a screw-up with that. Because no matter what you like or don't like, you know, it seems like Jar Jar is pretty universally, like, you wish he wasn't there. You know, there's the edit without him and everything. And it's funny, because you, you have that going. That's this, an attempt to do the same thing, right? And then here you have them do it. And, and it's fun. I actually got a kick out of a lot of them. And, and even if they weren't my kind of thing, they didn't seem to, like, just horribly take away from what you were watching, you know? It was a great example of the storytelling concept, show, don't tell. That shows you what kind of person he is. Yeah! He really sticks to his guns. You just see it right there. Constantly trying to get away. I like yeah, how it got shorter. Yeah, they did shorter. a good job with that. I thought the humor reminded me a little bit of Stargate humor. Like, SG-1 humor when the... When the alien kind of whacks him across the head, like, thwack, you know, just, I was like, that's totally an O'Neill. They went to the wrong place. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there. yeah. That's your third act intensity building up, and you're waiting for the dun 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 You get a little... <laughs> <laughs> so, nice time. Yeah, the, I knew absolutely nothing about the stories either. Like, when I came in, I haven't read any of the books. And I mentioned this before. The only thing I know is what they mentioned in uh, in Heinlein's Number of the Beast, because he was a big fan, and he included it in there. So I knew the character names, you know. And I knew that and I knew that, uh, uh, that Dejah Thoris was supposed to be, like, a, a, was a, a traditionally strong female character known as one. Uh, now, granted, written... I guess somewhere between 1912 and 1964 or whatever. So, uh, so kind of a different view on that, which is probably why Heinlein liked it. Now that I think about it, but still. Now, now did you say the um, original story was written in 1912? Is well, it? there's a whole series of books, okay, right? Okay. I, and I, I'm I'm not an expert, okay? I, but I I understand there's a series of books written in the same world in the same stories, and they I think they drew upon some of them from this various ones. And this is something we started discussing as we, we sat down at the table here. Where I personally felt that I, I, I might have accepted a little bit more of the. the there was there was some, some. It wasn't a continuity issue. It was a. It was a constant. I, I wanted that reminder on behalf of the audience to be told that bear in mind that this is a very early science fiction. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted that too. It's going to come through a lens that says this came from the turn of the 20th century. Yeah. Bear that in mind. Don't start looking at it as well, this isn't Lucas Arts. This isn't Roddenberry. This isn't. It. And they even used that in one of the trailers, saying before Star Wars, before Star Trek, there was John Carter. And then, yeah. if, if if they had put something, and I don't really know how they would have. I don't know. It kind of worked for me though, because like at the start, I got this feel like I don't. 
I'm not into this world necessarily already. I don't quite get this. It seems a little kind of cheesy at the beginning. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm, it had that kind of pulp quality. Honestly, right? based on the weekend we've all had, I thought I was going to go to sleep about 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm going to take a nap. And then I'm kind of like, you know, when, like, like Juan said, when they started throwing him in the different style and he comes out and then it gets faster. I was like, well, that's, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And then you start liking the characters. And then by the time, like when he jumps, my first thought is, Man, the gravity isn't that different. And then, yeah, I know. <laughs> but then I wait for a minute, and then I'm like, well, it's kind of cool, you know? See, I, did, I didn't realize all the context of this. I didn't know how old the original story was. So we were walking out of the mall, and I was talking to Fire Breathing Chicken, and I was like, other than the gravity issue, yeah. you know, how would you not know that you're on a different planet? Like, you don't notice any difference in temperature, you know, in. in they just didn't know. Air pressure. They didn't even notice there were two moons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, there you right. go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Always happen to be just a little bit apart from one another. Doesn't the rotation tell you that every once in a while? They're in the same position all the time. <laughs> yeah. Though they might not have known this when you wrote the stories. Yeah. The moons aren't, the moons aren't spheres. They're yeah, they're potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they just went with it. They didn't try to modernize it, because that would have really been a problem, I think, you know? Yeah, I think if you if you just try to look at it from that kind of it has to be realistic to science and like or at least remotely there in nineteen twelve. Well, you have to. Yeah, it's, it's that suspension of disbelief. That it's like okay, well, we're going way out with this story. Yeah, so yeah. just you know, the moon's around. They're always locked together. Just deal with it. You know, it looks like, cool. You can't get hung up on on minute details like that uh, on this type of movie. That's what I was looking for. Maybe I was looking for. And again, I don't really know how they could have conveyed it, but maybe. Maybe I wanted something a little more apparent to say, please, there's a very large hook at the door. I want you to put your disbelief on it because you got to bear in mind the, the, the decade and the century that this was written within and the mindset and the, and the amount of exposure. It would have helped me too. Yeah. Something. actually bothered me. I, the only problem I had with this whole thing was the level of, of direct allegory, which was slightly bothersome for me. The rest of it was great, but there are the aliens that don't look like us, which are almost one-to-one Native Americans he runs into. You have two sides fighting. One is red, one is blue. The balloons are the good ones. Again and again and again, I want something that I couldn't have pulled back. He's done this before when he was in the military. You know, you totally hit upon something that is always a little bit of an issue with old sci-fi. Like, you know, it's it comes from a different time, and a lot of times it's kind of uncomfortable. You know, some of the parts of it, you're just like, I mean, you wouldn't write that today. But yeah, you want to tell the story, and you're like, if you were telling the story, how do you do it? Do you do you go that way, or do you do you change it? You know, and and somebody's going to be pissed no matter what. <laughs> but I know what you're saying exactly. In a genre that was at the time particularly young. I mean, you had maybe some Vern and things of that sort to be your front runners, but but it, there wasn't really the comfort level or the exposure level to be able to say, well, let's start branching away from some of the you know the baddies and the goodies, the blue and the red, and let's. And you have to work within your construct because that's, it's not a comfort factor, but it's a matter of, all right, I'm, I'm introducing something new to a reading audience. I don't want to push them too far. I don't want to alienate them, no pun intended. <laughs> nice. So, all right, you play within a sandbox, but within that sandbox, do the best job you can. Even yeah. the blood, I just realized, is blue and red. Right? <laughs> well, and the blue was deliberate because they needed um, the big climaxy fight scene in there, and you can't do that with red in a um, Disney play. 
because you want to keep the, the rating low. If the blood is red, it raises its rating. Right. I think they right. wanted him to look like Braveheart. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> the whole sequence of Brave, was a Braveheart. Well, the, the, I, I did. Yeah, I, I did see somebody also say, well, oh, they also, you know, the blue is also very kind of um, a trigger for uh, recent feelings about Avatar. And actually, I kind of like the fact that the aliens weren't kind of hypersexualized like they were in Avatar. They, they were yeah. willing to make them like, exactly. Wearing, you know, halter tops or anything of that. Sort. They're surprisingly yeah. similar in shape to the Avatar aliens, but they're ugly. Yeah. No, it was it was pretty much just a voice difference that was the main difference. Yeah. 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 They are. It kind of reminded me of, of the orcs you'd see in World of Warcraft, with like the big tusks hanging off and, you know, sticking out like that from their mouths. They're actually kind of like a World of Warcraft trolls. Yeah, it? trolls would be actually a better one. So green trolls from WoW. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one thing I thought of with the aliens, though, I'm sure it was, if, it, if there was any influence, it was uh, David Weber being influenced by them. But there's the... Prince Roger series. I'm not sure if any of you guys have read it. Uh, a human prince and his bodyguards crash land on a planet with four armed, basically reptile or lizard natives that they sort of, as they go along, they you know, like ranging from barbarians to like black powder weapons. And then at one of the ones, the prince adopts a dog lizard. The, 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 the dog was awesome. The dog really? character was... Does anybody know the name? I'm embarrassed. He was like the best part of the movie. <laughs> I loved him. Uh, wicked or something. Wicked. wicked. <laughs> it was a wicked. No, but I mean, the first time I saw that thing, you know, and you meet it, and you think you're supposed to be intimidated by it, and it turns out it's this big slurpy happy thing, and then you see it take off for the first time, and all I could think of, all I could think of was the never-ending story and the world and the racing lizard or the racing snail. It is yeah. a racing snail because the thing just takes off in the distance in a cloud of smoke. But um, yeah, again, it's it's you know with the representation of what they did for the alien races um, and, and the fact that you know boy these other ones are strangely humanoid. How unusual and and but but again it goes along with that big hook of disbelief. Just put it aside for a second. Just enjoy the storyline. Just just take it as it is. Don't bother questioning too deeply because we'll give you enough that you can at least venture along with it and just enjoy the plot. Hey, what was the name of uh, the Mars planet again? What it- Barsoom. 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 With an M. Oh, oh cool. See, I, I had... Sometimes the the tiniest little thing will make me question, and it's so dumb, but when uh, when the guy was dying and he's like... Was it? What was it again? The planet? Barsoom. Barsoom. Yeah, and the guy was like, Barsoom, but he didn't pronounce the R. He like he said it like a Boston accent, like like the O. Barsoom. <laughs> and then the thing is, John Carter had never heard that term before. He hears the guy say it once, doesn't know what the guy's accent is, and is like, oh, Barsoom. And I'm like, you picked up that there was an R in that? Because I did not. Like, <laughs> how did you know that he was speaking in a non-rhotic accent? How did you understand him? You were amazing. And I'm. It's very nerdy. As to why they did blue blood instead of red was because the content of minerals in their blood may have been different from what we have here on Earth. You know, here our red blood is mostly iron-based. Yeah, green is copper, yeah. It's cobalt, and that's why it's blue on Mars or what. But Hold on, let me get your critique back off that suspension of disbelief. I'm going to hand that right back to you. There you go. <laughs> you know what, though? That's, that's the fun way to question it. When you're like, you're like digging deeper, you're like, okay, well... They don't have to make the connection for me or I won't believe. Hell, I believe I'm going to make the connection for them. 
Yeah, How did it happen? Be, you know? There could be a valid... Some of the elements that actually kind of ring true, so like the uh, solar-powered uh, ships of flight and things of that sort, you know, and it didn't bother really going into any of the technical details about what's holding this thing afloat or anything of that sort. They just said, oh, it runs on light. Okay, done. Move on. And they yep. tied in the idea that, well, if you're in a shadow, it works less. If you're trying to use it at night, it barely gets any altitude. Mm-hmm. They gave you just enough plausible science. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It's all good. The ship to flying it just fine inside a confined area really quick. It has batteries. <laughs> and that's it. You know, the funny thing is, from a story perspective, it doesn't have to be physically possible, but it does have to have constraints and limitations, or it won't work in the story. You know? If it's a do anything. Plus, if we're all into power and weight, Iron Man would just suck balls. <laughs> So would Master Chief, really. He weighs a ton by himself. Exactly, you know. One thing I like that they actually... Most modern sci-fi doesn't even bother commenting on the gravity. It's just like, oh, if we land there, it must be like right at Earth gravity. But here, right, actually, the amount of oxygen in the air, everything is perfect. The weather is perfect, you know. Yeah, yeah it looks like a Vancouver forest. What is it? Is it like... Isn't Mars like .38, something like that? I think. Not that no, I thought it was a lot closer, which is why when they talk about colonizing, they always talk about Mars. Well, Mars is slightly larger than Earth, isn't but it? No, it's smaller. Long. Oh, yeah. It have the same core content. Exactly, yeah, the core is different. Okay. I'm remembering now. <laughs> but I want to say it's like 0. 0.8 or 0. 0.9 Earth gravity. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's... Not something where he's going to be flying It wouldn't be that much of a difference, planet. really, I would think. I think 0. 0.38 is the moon. But yeah. 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 So the moon is one six, so it'd be point one seven. You know, there's not a lot of places. Nice. Someone can just say that off the top of their head. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, supposed to deliver a message that DP said it was derivative in that everything else is derived from it. <laughs> That's awesome! Wow. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> You know, with regard to when the original story was written back in the 1890s or, or 1912, whenever it was, around that turn of the century. Time. Huh. I'm so right. 0. 0.376. Really? Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. You go to space camp. It all pays off now. And see the movie. Everything we've come to expect from five years of U.S. space camp. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking a lot to um, what we talked about yesterday during the kind of women in sci-fi panel, and with regard to the princess whose name already eludes me, Deja Thoris. See, there you go. I can't either. I know. They, you know like, but I was I was pretty tired. So. Lady, you know. Yeah. Um, Again, I know the character names from Heinlein. So. Right. Deja, thank you. God. Um, I feel like I've heard that name. Before. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Smartass. And, and maybe this was just a result of the fact they didn't modernize it, you know what I mean? Right. She seemed very much kind of like that. It was Half the time it was damsel in distress, half the other time it was warrior princess. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that too. Yeah. Which was the scientist. She ran the, the science guild. She actually does everything, man. It's Christmas Jones, man. <laughs> <laughs> this whole planet is run by one Mars woman. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, it was funny. You could see the movie makers attempting to be like, see, she's not helpless. He can stand behind her and Honestly, she can fight. You know, it was like this really kind I, of clumsy, like... It's supposed to be taking place in. That, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's incredibly progressive, yeah. I think, it was, I think it was early turn of the century author trying to make that happen. I, I don't know what the difference is. I, I'd like to read and, and see, you know, how did they portray her in the... Because well, it might have been, like, super progressive, like... Well, I know Heinlein was a big fan because of that, right? I mean, because she was a character that supposedly could kick ass on her own and didn't really need him and chose to be with him, right? I I think it's hilarious at the end when uh, she has just left... Well, spoilers, I guess. (laughs) I I don't think anyone will worry. Uh, She's just left... uh, dodging the bullet of marrying the wrong guy, right? It's like at the end of Wedding Singer or something. Um, <laughs> Things that would have been good to know yesterday. Yeah. And uh, she's she's all committed to it, you know? And then and then Carter shows up and she's like, Carter! Like, just, you know, bam, like one second, you know, and she goes from completely serious and committed to this marriage to like, screw you, man! <laughs> you know, I'm up. Well, she was committed in terms of she had accepted that she had to do that yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah. So. It was just funny how obvious she was. Her relief was so obvious to everyone around. She didn't try to hide it or anything. It was great. Modern media has taught us anything is that way and just make women baby crazy. They had to get married right away. <laughs> she was at one and then she was like, okay, now I need to get married right now. The other thing that made me laugh, like maybe it shouldn't have, but at the end when the young guy's reading, the, well, the author, right, is reading the letter and it's like, you know, you have to do this or the universe will implode and probably it already has in the time it took you to read all this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta run to the mausoleum. I know. You couldn't have said that first and then and explain later. Yeah. By the way, take care of my body, okay. <laughs> but it was supposed to work that way. That kid, because we were talking about, oh, you know, certain actors were standing out over others and doesn't, you know, once in a toga, always in a toga. There's all these people from Rome and stuff. And all these other shows. And then there's that kid. You're like, well, Ned, I've seen him before. Where was he? It's the kid from Spy Kids. It's- I never saw Spy Kids. It's one of those films you never actually watch. You just walk past and go, what is it? Oh, it's Spy Kids. And you keep walking. But it's the, the little mop-headed kid from Spy Kids because we just, I, I, it was just driving me insane that I couldn't place him. I thought he looked familiar, too, yeah. And I refused to crack out IMDb in the theater, so... You know what I think is cool, yeah. though, is that they that the Ori made an appearance in this movie. Yeah. Hallowed uh-huh. are the Ori. Well, it was sort of like this, this weird cross between, like, some of the biggest villains you could think of in terms of sci-fi. You had, like... You had the Founders from DS9, you had the Reapers from Mass Effect, and, and you had the Ori from Stargate, all kind of wrapped into one. And they just, you know, do it for the sake of being galactic douchebags. <laughs> Pretty much. They never do explain it. They're just like, uh, well, with the Ori, they explained it in that it's a religious thing. The, the free pie. <laughs> yeah. Off of the death of worlds. Yeah, when he was monologuing a little at the end, he kind of tried to give a reason, but... <laughs> We are the generic bad guys. You will fear us. <laughs> I did love the the big battle scene. I loved that. I thought it was terrific. When when all their new allies show up and 
or the the one against the world when they were all piling on? Oh, that was cool too. No, no, when when yeah, all the different cool. sides all were fighting like the Lord of the Rings style battle, like mega battle. See, I kept picking up on the Neo versus all the agents when he's in the middle of the playground and they're all kind of piling on. Hey, you almost expect that all, when they all jump. Yeah, when they all jump on them, you're expecting that explosion of 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 various people you know, being all killed at once. Yeah. But, like the big battle yeah. in the Matrix. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I actually bought that. Like when uh, when it came to the point when you saw him flash back to his family, I thought, man, he's gonna eat. that dude's pissed. That reminded me you know? of Gladiator and Cowboys and Aliens. I bought that though. I bought yeah, it. Yeah, I did too. A bit more of that. I mean, because they, they they threw that in very unexpectedly. It was cool. The yeah. Flash to the wife and, and and child thing. It was. So you're like, what is that? Yeah. And you thought, okay, that, that was kind of jarring. And then they gave you a little bit more than I... It was supposed to be, in hindsight, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm really wondering whether... How much... Maybe we'll have to wait and see, you know, the director's cut or what have you. How much of that extra backstory they left in the editing floor? How much they could have potentially run that? I wonder if having more of that kind of content, backflash stuff in there, flashback stuff in there, would have helped to anchor the movie to the time where it's coming from. Oh, that's interesting. Right. But when you're on another planet in what's very much a futuristic kind of setting, it's easy to forget that, oh yeah, this whole movie is taking place during right after the Confederate War. I think it also would have helped it a lot in the idea that why he makes that final decision to be John Carter of Mars instead of Mirth is there's nothing left for him to go back to. And that there's a big part of that. His wife and kid are dead. He doesn't want to be part of the Union military. He doesn't want to keep fighting things. He wants to be done. And albeit based on the fact that there are many books he probably has never done. But that has to play into your decision to be like, you know what, Fracker, if I'm going to stay here, there's nothing left for me. Can I just comment? The fact that his wife must have had big ass man hands because he's wearing both rings. <laughs> I had, I know, I thought that too. Biggest sausage fingers of any bride of the planet. That had not occurred to me, dude. I, I actually, I had the same thought. Yeah, because yeah. he well, probably wouldn't have had it sized or anything, right? Well, I may, you know, I, I had a. In his remorse, he's out there clang, clang with an anvil resizing a ring. I, I had a friend, though, who um, got an engagement ring that was way too big. Like, you know, the her fiancé tried to surprise her or whatever and got the sizing wrong, and, and she had to wear it on her thumb. So I thought, well, maybe that's what happened. I'll just size it for me. That's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> We're about the same. And this was the Confederacy. Maybe it's just, this is what I can afford. This is a yeah. one unit of ring. <laughs> one unit of ring. Maybe she wore it on a necklace. Maybe she didn't have fingers. <laughs> Maybe she had toe thumbs. Man hands to no hands. Tum again? <laughs> she had hooks. Yeah. <laughs> it was a rough time. It was a threshing accident. You know, she worked the fields. Right. The, the way that he had, that they had the flashbacks with regard to his, his wife and daughter reminded me a lot of flashbacks that uh, Daniel Craig's character. In Cowboys and Aliens, yeah, yeah. And how that you know came back to kind of you know piss him off enough that was like, screw this, I'm finally going to fight for something that's worth fighting for, you know. And I want to see that film on principle because Soleil told me not to. <laughs> and you listen to him? This time. Aww. While you throw a dog a bone. It was a good play. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Okay, yeah. I, I did think it was a little contrived in the fact that he's only been on Mars for maybe, what, two weeks, and he's already marrying this princess, but... It's because he's a badass. That would explain... I find you so kind of key. Really and, and, and you right. wouldn't? 
Did you see the chick? She's wielding swords. She's a genius. She's running the planet. Yeah, yeah I, I saw mean. her, but... I mean. But the two weeks would explain why his body muscle hasn't atrophied down to 30%, you know? It was, it was longer than two weeks on Earth because the entire skeleton of the guy who was shot yeah. his bone, yeah, his leather was all... Yeah, cracking and breaking. I just assumed that there was... Trusty, you know. Yeah, I just assumed that it had been a couple of years and that there was some kind of, like, not a long time, but a few years, and that there was some kind of effect from the device that protected him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From the time that he went into that cave to the frame story, I think they said it was 13 years. Wouldn't that be cool to have a muscle set point that was determined by a machine? You you earn all the muscle and then it just keeps it there for you? They actually have that in Star Wars and through the novelizations. Oh, yeah? A crime Lord who wants to look buff. And so he uses a machine to just lay around and get buff. <laughs> I want one. I want one. He's like, I want one. I want one. I just click, click. Okay, I'll sit here and read a book and get huge. <laughs> you commercials about that? The ab belt that you can put on that just shakes the crap. <laughs> <laughs> electricity and it would kind of work maybe, but no. Got it. In reality, not so much. Well, poor Mitch, he'd be out of a job. <laughs> to pull it all back, though, I mean, if anything else, if the film wasn't the end-all, be-all, and it wasn't one of those things where you walk away from saying, God, I'm really glad I spent that, well, we didn't spend ten bucks like the usual ticket. By the way, that was awesome. Juan figured that out, by the way. Oh, score. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That's worth Hell, yeah. But if nothing else, if it spurns you on to say, you know what, I'm going to have to go look at the books at this point, because there are elements. Oh, yeah, I agree. What they what they decided to yeah what did they change and did it encourage you to go dive into something that was was a derivative thank you DP uh, <laughs> of of what set the tone for a lot of sci-fi uh, in the in the century plus to follow so if that's the case great then then that's a win you know? I agree it's, it's a vehicle that's well worth five bucks exactly. heck Rachel would have gotten seen it with no story if you were just walking around shirtless the whole time. <laughs> well, I had the man stable crew sitting in front of me in the oh, theater, nice. so I'm listening to nothing but, yep, he's in. <laughs> yep, extra gate. You're going to need a padlock on that You sucker. can't have him first. That was hilarious, the, the kind of montage where you see him and all the little baby aliens, and they're like, wrap him in the loincloth and scrub Don't his face him. and shave him and stuff. Do you love saying Here. So I want to know about the goo, whatever was the uh, the voice of. I I'm, Why didn't I don't want to know what it is. <laughs> if you had right, right, it was little baby babblefish. <laughs> I know that was fascinating. A lot of the stuff you're talking about, like the tr- the the uh, translator microbe um, drink and the the dog, the super fast dog, those are actually in the original books. You get a question of. You've got stuff in the book that maybe won't play with modern audiences. Do you drop the stuff that you don't think would play and not be true to the book, or do you stay true with the book? Right, right. Things like that, and I think, given that they had a very delicate balancing act, because the original book, which I, I have read a bazillion years ago, but it's fairly true to the original book. But a lot of the things I'm hearing people saying that they had trouble with this belief are straight from the book. But then again, I mean, uh, granted, that, that whole decision of what to include, what to exclude, I think if they didn't at least throw in, oh, while it was a rather confusing element or something that, that people can rage about, like the translation microbes and that sort of thing, if they omitted it and just assumed, well, you're going to understand everybody's speaking universal language and so on and so on, that that would cause that much more of a, of a kerfuffle. It, it's Agreed. 
they run on sunlight, something to grab onto. Right. It's, you have this drink, there's something in it that translates for you. Now, why the guys out on the road didn't have it, I don't know, but there is something that you can just go, okay, it was that, now I'll make up whatever it is that suits them. Giving it to him, so that's a pretty good reason to not give it to him to begin with. No, the lube, uh, lube was given to everybody, including the babies, when they were relapsing the him. And the lube. yeah, uh, taking him into the temple. No, she was first. No, before that. No, when he Oh, well, it was him breaking out. Okay. I can yeah. see that. But yeah, he broke out and wasn't. She was in charge of keeping him. Yeah, well, where I he thought it be. seemed like when he came in and he knew what they were saying. That guy. Yeah, I got yeah, that no, impression that, that, too. I, I'm pretty sure that that's what that was. Yeah. yeah I saw it wrong. Now that was the vibe that I got when I heard it. It's like, how is it that he knows what the hell we're saying? And it's like, well, you told her to give him the same stuff to give. Yeah. Well, I, as, as I, soon I as he, both. as it's soon both. as, as soon as they understood each other, that's when they jumped on him. So I'm, 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 yeah, I think it would be that. And see, then. As long as we're we're talking about the jokes that. Despite the fact that it seems like a lot of people had fun in the movie, I agreed we were all kind of. Audra and I were exchanging little little jokes. There were the obvious the obvious ones like you know, and I thought they smelled bad on the outside, on the, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. But like when uh, he's like, "Who will join their blade with mine?" and Audra's like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the jerky out the guy at the you beginning, know. like touch your nose, like not me, man." It was great. You see the the you see the uh, you know all the green guys are just like. <laughs> wearing shoes, but check out my shoelace. Yeah, really, exactly. Did you guys pick up on the fact that um, the eggs that were hatching were these actual aliens? Because when I saw it, I was thinking it was their mountains. And they're like, kill the extras. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. And no, no, yeah. Oh, those were not mountains. Yeah. No, they just... It actually spelled that out a little clearer and, and would have made it a little bit more jarring to say, all right, well, this is a serious race of survival here. Um, yeah, at the start of the arena scene, they mentioned how they destroy uh-huh. things that don't hatch. But at the time, like, again, until they... Yeah, it wasn't super clear. I, wasn't... I got it, but I, what I didn't get for sure was it seemed like at the end they were changing that a little bit. Did you get that as well? I got the feeling that they were sort of like kind of changing their minds from everything about everything from flying to like maybe maybe we should look at who we are instead of how how badass we can be. I didn't, but maybe that's just because that sort of uh, of plot development always bothers me. The the changing of the indigenous species always kind of leaves me a little, yeah. a, a little miffed. Um, but it's the opposite they, they, the, the group of aliens was the Native Americans. This is about that time in which they were being forced to change. We advanced the savages. And that's what happened there. It's just, this is Actually, it seemed very much a two-way thing. I mean, if you look at where, at where Carter was coming from, that was not a good... That was certainly not... And I'm not talking about scientific advancement. It was not a socially advanced culture. You know, and and the other culture was in many ways more socially advanced. I, I consider myself pretty sensitive to that kind of thing too, but I didn't get it that strongly because it, it was like we don't fly. It wasn't like we don't do anything technological. We only do these really basic things. It's like we just something about flying. You know, so it it didn't strike me as like a they savage. Are. They are. It was the, the mirror in the movie. He, when we, the, That's funny. Have you ever seen the Americans the movies? They're on horses carrying spears in a big line. I get, th- I know, I get that. As opposed to in flying machines. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. It was so one to one for me. It really, I guess it just got me. I was just like, yeah. 
big flying machines and then charging out of them like a cavalry charge, essentially. Carter himself, in that regard, had an interesting little dynamic to him because of the fact that he was a Confederate soldier, well-decorated, yet when it came to dealing with Apache issues, he didn't want to be involved with it. He's, he's, he's performed his function. He's, he, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. It had to do with what he felt was relatively unjust. And spoke Apache. So apparently he knew the culture enough to learn the language. Yeah. So he thought it was just fighting on the side of the Confederacy <laughs> Wah, wah. I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> His dead parents or whoever that was, he was just like, I don't feel like fighting for anyone because no one fought for me, kind of thing. And that was a major complaint in the South during the Civil War was that it was the rich man's war, not the regular persons. We have to leave our families to fight your war. That was a common sentiment back then. So that might have hurt. Well, guys, I had fun with the movie. I I went in expecting nothing. You know, you expected a nap. I was. I was expecting a nap. To be honest, hell yes. I was like thrilled when we got the five dollar price. I'm like, oh god, I'm not going to pay fifteen bucks for a nap. And you know uh, what? As a side note, I was I was really satisfied watching a movie in not 3D. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's just like I, I've been in too many 3D movies where I've got the 3D glasses over top of my regular glasses, and the entire time my I leave and my eyes are just so tired. You get a headache from, and, from having to yeah. like adjust for like, okay, now where am I supposed to look? Okay, now where am I supposed to look? And this is just like you know, I just sat back and enjoyed it. it, it Think Geek has anti 3D glasses. You put them on over your regular glasses and it turns it into 2D. <laughs> That's interesting. Is it like? One with tape over one side. A iPad. I'm just messing with you. Well, yeah, they're like 15 bucks, and they're just, you know, do you hate 3D movies? Buy them, keep them, they phase out whatever that. You know what I want off of ThinkGeek is that that remote thing that turns off televisions wherever you are. Oh, I have one of those. Oh, yeah, I want one. <laughs> Sorry. For real element in. We were talking about this in the drive over. In the third book, um, when they're married, Deja lays an egg. So the red aliens are egg laying. Yeah, he said that on the drive down here. And I'm like, then why did she have breasts? And, and I'm like, is she a mammal? And he's like, well, some mammals lay eggs. And I'm like, fair point. <laughs> I was just thinking that... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Marzipus. Platypus of Mars. Mighty Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Oh, damn. It all makes sense now. I was just thinking that would make for an exciting wedding night for him. <laughs> he he kind of discover. Damn it. Wait a minute. It's fish time. Mars is full of the most beautiful people. What beautiful people on Mars. Amazing elliptical systems over there. Just working out all the time. You know, real quick, I just want to touch this. We were talking before about how, you know, she kind of had the whole damn from the stress thing related to when we were talking about the panel. But if I recall correctly, I thought I saw female soldiers in the battle. There were. There all, were. all the people in armor were oh, men yeah. and women equally. Yeah. They, they didn't really, all the uniforms were very <laughs> uniform. They were identical, though. Yeah. Yeah, everything that the women wore, the guys wore the same version of that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Which, again, you want to... You wonder how much of that might have actually been drawn from the original text. Yeah. I go back and see. Yeah, I'm with you. I did notice, though, that none of the female soldiers ever pulled their helmets off, and we did see male soldiers do that. Ooh, ooh, I would also like to point out that all the male soldiers had open midriffs. 
I thought that was Yeah, that's what we were saying. Sorry. All the male and female soldiers had oh, open right. Got it. Yeah. yeah, I'm on it. The, the, uh, the tattooing that made all of their curvature and all of their, their body lines look very similar as well. Everything was sort of, of course, it wasn't the 300 airbrushed airbrush six-pack, but everybody had, you know, little cut lines along the abdomen and things like that in terms of the makeup work that they did. So that, uh, that universalism or that, uh, that you, unisex nature. Did you notice that, the, that tattooing was indicative of rank? The no, I didn't. Had, the more um, tattooing, the higher I don't know if it was tattooing. I thought it was something they were born with. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was tattooing. Religious significance or cultural significance of some sort. The, as you got higher up the ranks, the king had it on one side of the face, half on the other, oh. both his arms. And, and, and you go to the soldiers, they have less and less. She has. And we do know that they use body symbols like the the punishment, the branding. We know that we know that they change their body using symbols already in that way. So. Oh. It would be cool if it was if they were born with it, but it was really interesting that it seemed that the tattoos were indicative of rank, so you could look at someone and immediately know they're they're so. But none of none of the hatchlings from the eggs had any of that marking either. They had none. Right, so it, uh, they probably aren't born with it. Is what I'm saying. With the green aliens, the marking was more a symbol of punishment. Yeah. yeah. But they did have carvings on their tusks. They had all kinds of uh, of, thing, of intricacies done in the tusks, especially for some of the veteran warriors. Scrimshaw. <laughs> okay. One of those only had one tusk because he was sort of their lead soldier for a long time. Hayden Church. Is that who? Ah, oh, of course, of course. And Willem Dafoe was the chief. Yeah. Pegged Willem Dafoe the whole thing. I saw in the final credits. I went, crap, I had a I I saw him on, uh, I heard him on, on the Nerdist podcast talking about it. And and I wondered who he was. And then when he first spoke in Martian, I was like, holy crap, that's Willem Dafoe. I thought, I'm like, is it? I've, I've never heard Willem Dafoe speak Martian before. Hmm. Well, there you go. That's about it. It was a lot of fun. Anything you guys want to add to the last, the last podcast of the meetup? John Carter 2 next year. <laughs> John Carter 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Uh, well, you don't have. <laughs> I like the fact that it, it probably says something that as a result of the meetup and the and the and the cross section and the, and the spectrum uh, of, of intellects and, and influences and, and backgrounds that we have within our group, that we can take a agreed mediocre film, yes, well. mediocre film, and still be able to get some really engaging conversation out of it. Probably more interesting than the film itself. <laughs> the conversation afterwards. That's that's probably a testament to us. I do want to read the books, though. Me too, yeah. yeah. I agree. Yes, first started hour-long podcast about a three-minute webisode. Yeah, really. Give me a break. <laughs> we have lots of material Man, if here. If we're going to make content about that, then we can do anything. <laughs> Another great thing about this movie, some excellent trailers before it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Prometheus, The Avengers. I want to see Battleship. <laughs> I do, too. Battleship, yeah. Battleship yeah. looks pretty good. Oh, and that little flicker. Candyland. Yeah. All about Candyland. <laughs> Didn't they cancel that? I'm bringing it back. Okay. I love how somebody at, like, at the end of it went, You suck my battleship! <laughs> you wouldn't. You get a profit. I'm going to drop some heat from my own hand and then went down and hit a bullseye on each of the three targets, splitting the arrow. Of the- oh, brave. Brave. Yeah. yeah. Her hair, digital hair, looked great on that. I appreciate the fact that me listening to Gypsy and conversing, well, not only just listening, but also conversing as well, has made me a lot more 
critical and analytical in terms of thinking and, and analyzing what I consume in media, both in science fiction and outside of science fiction too. So that's great. I'm I love that too for sparking my brain. So it makes us uh, more appreciative of the good material that we get exposed to, and it even allows us an appreciation of the bad material because it gives us more opportunity to sit there and use some comparative analysis and say, you know, well, all right, I'm going to get in a soapbox here, but I'm going to give you an educated and informed decision as to why I think this is crap. And other individuals who are willing to, to counteract that, because you can go anywhere and be like, hey, I want to talk about John Carter and Mars. No. Yeah. Damn it. Well, and my favorite is, is, is that somehow if you, if you get enjoyment from it, that you just like everything and you're stupid. No, no. I mean, sometimes I don't necessarily even even like. I did like this actually, but uh, but you don't have to. It doesn't have to be your favorite thing to get enjoyment from it. I paid my five bucks. You know, you can either have fun or not. You know, <laughs> so hell yeah, we did. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you, Audra, for the time travel. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome the scooby-doo time travel <laughs> it was it was the scooby-doo time travel it was like when uh in in the men in black three thing he jumps off a building to go back in time nice and uh and audra somebody audra leans over and she's like i hope there's enough room to get up to 88 yeah. miles an hour <laughs> no, you don't said worry that, about you? the ground yeah. i can't remember yeah. in the future, I it was it'll pass the ground it won't even be there <laughs> See, will this building it'll work out just fine <laughs> who needs roads yeah. and he said that one but but yeah, I mean, uh, it was a lot of fun seeing the movie. I think this shows that, I mean, number one, in terms of the movie itself, I enjoyed it. I got a kick out of it. It is certainly, in my opinion, worth the $5 matinee. Um, I, I don't know if I would pay 19 bucks to see it in 3D IMAX or, or whatever. Or get it on, a, you know, Affleck Netflix or whatever. <laughs> Affleck Netflix. Everything you've ever wanted in the Salted Nut Company. Nice. Yeah, but uh, it was fun. I, I got a kick out. I think you're definitely going to get a kick out of it. You should $5 matinee. I read the stories when I was a kid. Yeah. So I'd, Sweet. I was nice. a big fan, and, and I had always, uh, I'd always kind of enjoyed that kind of thing. I read them right right after I read Conan. As you can see, the, the GW series that went got a kick out of it and had fun. And, of course, it's very fun podcasting in a bar after seeing a movie with your friends Hell from yeah. GWC. We'll be doing that again, I think. That was a good time. Sweet. Anything you guys want to add wrapping up before I get back to rendering to get the 29 hours of podcasts that are stacked up out? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a tall order. I, there's There was so much that went on at the meetup and, <laughs> and all that. I mean, you just can't really see a come lot of close, everybody. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's kind of the... To, to quote the Highlander, it's like a whirlwind going on in my head. You know, if you yeah, focus for a little while, you can pull pieces out, but, you know. So true. I would just say thank you to everybody who supports the meetup in any way. You know, if you attended the meetup, if you were part of the Miss Up crew, you know, if you made donations, if you listen to the cast and enjoy it, just anybody who's part of the community, just a big heartfelt thank you because this year was a lot of fun. You know, big success. We had a lot of people, um, more so than in previous years, and a lot of new people. And it was great. You know, everyone came in, and uh, it was just like, you know, even people who are coming and meeting others for the first time, it didn't feel like the first time. It just, like always with this group, it was family. Yeah, what, what she said, only, you know, from a different angle. Uh, that's it's basically the same thing. Uh, it's There's uh, everybody 
was kind of at their, I mean, it was so big you couldn't be with absolutely everybody at one time. So, you know, you missed conversations with some people that you might've had with others. Oh yeah. And you know, you always feel bad about that because you, you wanted to be involved in those conversations. You wanted to meet those people and talk to those people and, and you were busy, you know, I mean, you have you know, this one consciousness that yeah. you can, you can haul around on your, your drunken feet in some cases and, and, uh, in some cases drive, you know, grab a bullhorn. Um, but I, I'm so glad you said that because that's how I, that's my biggest feeling is like, I feel like not only did I not have enough time to like get to know all the people that I wanted to get, even see all the people I wanted to see. I feel like, you know, the struggle of getting it all moving and making it go and everything took away from that a lot for me. And I just, I didn't get to spend really a lot of time with people. It's and starting I feel to bad. get a little bit like the Twitter feed where you have to come to accept that you only you're gonna have miss so much time. Gonna miss it. Yeah, yeah that's true. and that everyone is okay. You know. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it, I was just. I wish I could have spent more time with everybody. You know. I sent a little uh, message to DP after the meetup, and I was like, "Hey, I'm sorry I didn't get to talk to you as much as I wanted." And he wrote back, and he's like, "Eh, no worries. You know, it's just like that." And if if everyone talked to each other as much as they wanted, we'd all still be there like weeks later. You know. This yeah. is true. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't get out as much. Uh, you know, talking and conversation and, oh man, I wanted to talk to this person about this and everything. You, you are forced to, to live it in your physical, uh, constraints. And, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, as it is every year, I, I look forward to it and, and we plan around it and everything, but, uh, it takes on kind of an organic shape of its own. And it's, it's kind of, uh, it, it's amazing to see, but, uh, a little frustrating sometimes cause you can't just, you, you can't sit down with everybody one-on-one -on -one like you want to do. You know, that makes me think of one last question here. If I had one of those time things that Hermione had to let her do the same time over and over and take You'd multiple classes. you go crazy just like she I did. would use one or two of those cycles to get extra nights of sleep. <laughs> me too. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes, it would. Like slip off out of time, get eight hours of sleep and come back. I'd say that. I know I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't use it for sleep. I'd, <laughs> I would. <laughs> I'd have finished Mass Effect by now, and I'd have, you know, like, gone to the park with Squeak. I mean, I, th that's the problem. You know, the more time you have, the more time you spend. Yes, and, that's true. I, I, You're absolutely correct. I mean, I I know I'd... I'd, I'd spend it with a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd want to, but and I'd, you I'd, I'd want to, but I wouldn't. I, yeah, I'd screw that up. Yeah. That's the reason they don't give it to us. Witness <laughs> how I do it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We do it now. I can't imagine with more time would only be more time we did that with. So I don't know. It was it was a blast. I'm still trying to to organize it all in my head. Uh, props to everybody who who lived it and and did the miss up with uh, with everybody and, and everything. It was just it was insane. Well, thank you everybody who uh, who came to the meetup and uh, everybody who participated online. And you will get your podcast. They are all there. Uh, they are on their way. <laughs> and by there we mean yeah, they're all there. sitting. Uh, I actually, I actually ended up with almost a hundred gig of video, photos, and awesome. audio from the event. <laughs> we got crap you haven't seen yet. It's true. We have, a, we have yeah. crap we haven't seen yet. All Thank that stuff is in the can, which you know, what Chuck means, it's the best idea ever. <laughs> hey, I want to say thank you to the couple of people. You know, we put a little video together last year. Uh, it wasn't even for that. It was for actually a class project that I had a while back, but it was kind of close. And everybody was asking us when we started talking about the meetup, hey, what's the meetup about? So we put the video on the site and it wasn't quite exactly for that but a lot of people said it helped them understand what they what the event was and whether they wanted to come or not so we we tried to 
shoot a lot of video this time so we can make something maybe more directly targeted at that. And we asked a few of you uh, who happened to be uh, lucky or unlucky enough to be close to us at the right times when we had a few minutes. Right. Uh, we you gra- made eye contact. Yeah, yeah. Poor bastard. No, we, we grabbed you and said, hey, would you, uh, you know, would you tell people a little bit about it so that, you know, maybe the next people who don't know what's going on could understand what it's like. And we asked some basic questions like, well, what was your favorite thing? What did you do? What 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 is coming to a meetup like and that sort of thing? And we really appreciate the fact that there were five or six of you that were willing to do that with us. And uh, there will be a couple more of those on Skype to catch up some of the other things. So if you wanted to be a part of that and you didn't get a chance to, um, you, you'll probably hear from us in the next few weeks. And if you uh, want to, you know, didn't want to be a part of that, uh, totally understand. But I really appreciate those of you who did, especially when you were busy with doing other things. It was kind of a pain in the ass to do. So thank you. And uh, I think I'll shut up now and get back to rendering. Rock on. <laughs> See you next week. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers, Soleil, forum moderators, Badgerspoon, Pike, and Frack and Talos, GWC book club maven, Casilda, and tech guru, Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. And we're always re-watching a group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder. <laughs>